Think you hate marketing? Think again. Here on the Marketing Chat Podcast, I share practical, relatable tips to make marketing easy and fun. I'm Kelly, a marketing strategist, Squarespace website designer, and founder of the Women Podcasters Academy. I'll be breaking down big ideas into actionable steps so you can get moving with your marketing with way less stress and way more fun. This episode is brought to you by HoneyBook, everything your business needs to get it done. Manage projects, book clients, send invoices, and get paid all on HoneyBook. Use my link in the show notes to get 50% off your first year with HoneyBook. I know you've heard it before, especially from me. When you design your website, write your blog posts, record your podcast, or create social media posts, you've got to let your unique brand personality come through. But you may be wondering what brand personality really means and how you find yours. Well, my guest today, Kelly Whitman, is going to answer all your questions about brand personality and give you tips on how to find yours. Kelly Whitman is a brand strategist and designer who owns Wit & Company, a brand strategy and design studio based just north of Minneapolis, Minnesota. Kelly and her team have helped more than 100 purpose-driven businesses craft consistent and cohesive brands using a strategy-first approach and the principles of seasonal brand theory and color psychology. Prior to the unplanned start of her business in 2017, she spent six months in marketing, event management, and fundraising. Sorry, six years. in marketing, event management, and fundraising, specifically in the nonprofit and startup space. Now she happily wears the title of unemployable, is proud to have a business that supports her and her family, and is on a mission to help people-first businesses create strategic and intentional brands that support them in doing more good work. Welcome, Kelly. I'm so happy to have you here today. Thank you. I'm very much looking forward to this conversation. I love that you call yourself unemployable. Yes, <laughs> let's wear that moniker yeah. with pride. Yes, <laughs> I first heard that term. I can't um I can't take credit for it. I first heard it from Brian Clark on his um, unemployable podcast and it was just something as an identity that really resonated with me and um it's just stuck <laughs> yes and the longer we work for ourselves the more unemployable we become absolutely absolutely <laughs> so i want to hear about this unplanned start to your business can you tell us about that yes of course so i Prior to 2017, I wasn't really sure of what entrepreneurship was. I didn't grow up with it. My idea of being an entrepreneur and starting a business was more so in the traditional sense of, you know, starting a brick and mortar and hanging up a sign and being tied to a a storefront. Um, And that was what it meant to start a business. And then in 2016, my husband and I started a home renovation blog, and I really discovered this world of digital entrepreneurship and owning a business that can be more nomadic and nimble. And through connections with bloggers, I started offering digital marketing services because that, as you had mentioned, that's my background. And I absolutely love it. So Witten Company originally started as 
a digital marketing studio. It was just me. And then about six months in, I had a friend reach out. Her husband wanted to start this salsa company and asked if we would, well, it was just me at the time, support with the branding and marketing of this new business. And they were officially my first branding client. I absolutely fell in love with the process. And Mm -hmm. I'm so thankful that they took a chance on me. And we, I immediately pivoted Witten Company into a branding studio. And we've been doing that and supporting businesses with their brands ever since. Wow. So why did they ask you to do their branding? I mean, like, what did you bring from your background in event management and fundraising that gave you the skills in branding? Yeah, great. Well, it was a leap of faith um, for one, but I had known the wife, uh, we worked together. So at a nonprofit, she was, I was uh, part of an association. Um, I did the event management and marketing communications for this association and her company was a member. So we had connected, we worked on a committee together and we just built a really great relationship and outside of the work, her and her husband, and then my husband and I, we would go out to dinners together. And it was on a conversation um, where I had left the nonprofit and had started Witten Company. And we, it was probably about a year later um, from me working there that we were having this conversation around oh, starting business. And he mentioned it. And I said, I would love to help you. Um, But they had seen my work. Uh, Mm -hmm. I had done design work and more so layout design and, you know, flyers, event management, fundraising flyers, things like that. So I had the design background and I loved the idea, right? Of branding. It was something that I had really enjoyed in terms of learning. So it wasn't like it was from scratch, right? So I had the skill set there, but I'm so grateful that they had the confidence. You know, sometimes Mm -hmm. I think, especially when we're just getting started, we need to steal a little bit of confidence from other people. And I'm, I'm just so thankful that they had the confidence in me. And it was a really collaborative process, which is something that I still carry through with my clients today. I love that collaboration. I love being able to get their input. And that was really helpful in fleshing out, okay, this is what it could look like if we were to do design. Um, I also want to mention as well that I had really leaned into my network. I had serendipitously connected with a graphic designer who had been in business for about four years at that point. And she was so helpful and encouraging. So Mm -hmm. being able to just lean into your network and your support system, especially when you're trying something new, was really helpful for taking that leap. Mm, That's great. And, you know, with your background in design and moving into branding, honestly, some people just get branding, you know, (laughs) it, it's not intuitive to most people. You know, there's so many designers who sort of design in a vacuum. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But Others, and it sounds like you are very much this way, like you see design in the bigger picture of branding. Yes. Well, I think the fact that I was and am a self-taught designer has really helped my benefits. So I went to school for advertising and marketing. And oh, well, my, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, and my work in the nonprofit space is similar to nonprofits and startups, you wear all of the hats. Like that is not my job. It's not a statement that you ever echo or say out loud when you're working in that space because you just do it to get it done. So from that perspective, I really took this marketing and strategic approach that I had learned from my marketing and startup 
phases and background when I was doing the traditional career. And the design was something that I needed to build that confidence and really flex that muscle in um, because I looked at things more of like, oh, you know, when we're thinking about fundraising, like we have to communicate, why do you want to invest in this? Or why do you want to donate? And why do you want to sign up for this event? So it was really getting back to that why. And I think Mm -hmm. that's really helped me in taking the branding approach from and looking at it more strategically than I'm going in and leaning on my design skills, because that was what I felt least competent in. I felt most competent in the business side and the strategic Mm -hmm. and intentional functionality side of the work that we do with clients. And at first, I I, to be honest, I thought that was a detriment of, I didn't have the skill set in the design. So I would compare myself to these amazing designers and feel a lot of that lack. But when I decided and was able to just shift a perspective from my mindset and really focus on what if we you know, did more of the strategy and what if that was our focus and I can hire out support for the design, yes. which I have, and I'm very thankful for that. Um, it's this design came in kind of second. I don't want to say that Um, It's not as important because I 100% think that it is, but to your point, I've been able just to lean on different skill sets and make that more prominent, which has been really helpful. That's awesome because you're so right. Starting with the why and the strategy really is essential. You know, when somebody, an entrepreneur hires a designer to create a logo and they just reach out, you know, like on Fiverr, let's say, Mm -hmm. you know, which is fine. But they just say, I want a logo. Yes. And they don't know their brand voice, their brand personality, uh, their why for being in business, their mm-hmm. goals, uh, their who their ideal client is. Yep. They get a logo that may be pretty, mm-hmm. but it doesn't support them. You know, it, it, right. it may not reach their ideal client or reflect who they really are in business. Yes. And I, I love that you're saying that because, you know, there's a time and a place absolutely for going on and doing those quick, um, like doing Fiverr or Upwork or just hiring a designer and not investing the time, the energy, the money, the resources into all of that, what I call the internal brand. And that's not a bad thing, especially for a new business owner. You don't know what your business is yet. You're still figuring it out. You don't know your brand voice. You don't maybe necessarily know the type of clients that you want to work with. So I think it's, it's great that we have this opportunity to do something that is a low barrier for like five, you know, you can go on and get a a really well, beautifully looking logo um, Mm -hmm. for relatively cheap. Um, But to your point, right, the downside is there isn't that intention in that strategy. Um, So really, when we think about this space of how can how can I build my brand and really flesh out the personality and understand that, but still have that logo and the visuals in place because it can be a catch 22, right? It's nice to have a logo and to have some visuals to get out there and show up for your business, but knowing that they might not necessarily be what you're sticking with forever um, is, is kind of a nice place to just set your mindset and have those expectations when you're just getting started. Yeah. Great point. So while we're saying the words branding and marketing, would you briefly discuss the differences between Mm. branding and marketing? Because (laughs) I think a lot of people don't know what the difference is between the two. Yes. Yeah, I would love to. And I can just share how I, it it makes sense in my brain. I think if you ask, you know, five different people, you probably will get five different answers. Absolutely. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I think of brand as 
how people think, feel, and act in relation to your business. Mm -hmm. And then marketing is communicating those thoughts, those feelings, those actions to really bring people into your sphere of influence. So I like to think of the brand as that foundation and then the marketing as what you get people to come in and understand and engage with your business. So it can be, right, uh, um, again, this idea of Catch-22, should you market first before you have your brand or should you have your brand first before you market? And it really, I think, depends on what business you're in and what stage of business you're in. And there's no reason why you can't do both kind of at the same time, especially, I think, when you're just getting started. Um, yeah. I, I love that. And I like to think about your brand as this evolving entity, just like a human being. And just like your business, we can't expect our brand to be stagnant. And right. the more you get out there and show up and market your business, the more you then understand who you want your brand to be. What do you want to stand for? Who do you want to work with? Why are you doing this in the first place? And getting clear on those elements that really make up your brand. Very true. Yeah. You're so right about the more you market your brand, the more you'll understand your brand yeah. and then can evolve it and tweak it and all of that. You know, um, I, I did a podcast ages ago on creating a brand identity mm. and, you know, steps you can go through to do that. And I didn't tell people stop marketing until you've done this. You know, I just talked about how it's really a foundational piece of your marketing, but I, I love what you just said about you can do both at the same time, you know, don't halt mm -hmm. your marketing, let it inform your branding. Yeah. I love that. That's a really cool way of looking at it. Yeah. And I think to your, you know, to build off of what you're saying, oftentimes, and myself included, we can feel so paralyzed when our logo isn't perfect, especially the external brand elements, like that brand identity, when the logo doesn't, you know, we need to tweak it a little bit more, or that color palette just isn't resonating, or we see a new trend that we want to try out. And then, you know, five hours go by and we've been in Canva for that amount of time. We can think that it has to look perfect in order for that right person uh, to start engaging with us and to purchase from us. And we can easily get, I guess, hang hung up on this idea that our visual brand needs to be that quote unquote perfect in order to take action. Um, when I've found for myself and with my clients, I'm sure you probably have found this yourself as well, that when we actually take action that then, oh, maybe we can tweak this and thinking about it more in those incremental adjustments rather than needing to have everything across the board done in order to take that next step. Exactly. And especially as small businesses or when you're yeah. a solo entrepreneur, you know, it's not like McDonald's. Well, they didn't. Really do. Okay. <laughs> Uber redid theirs yeah. not terribly long ago or, you know, so any large company, you know, corporation rebranding that's a big deal. You know, mm -hmm. they spend months working on it and then rolling it out. And it's like, that's right. it. That's it. Exactly. They're not going to be doing tweaks over the next few weeks. You know, it that sticks. But for us, yes, we can roll it out and be like, oh, okay, no, I'm going to tweak it a little bit. You know, we don't have to make a big mm -hmm. announcement. Hey, guys, I just rebranded, but I figured out that I needed to. No, you just do it. <laughs> you just do it. <laughs> yes, exactly. I think the other piece of that too, right, is looking at Uber. 
They also spent millions of dollars, I would wager to bet, on that rebranding process. And they have a huge team of support to help roll that out. So I think it's so easy for us to get into that comparison of like, oh, well, they did it all at once or theirs looks perfect from the get-go. And it's yes, but they have other resources available to them that we just don't have as solopreneurs or small business owners with a small team of contractors or employees. And again, it's getting back to this idea of, you know, I really want people to understand that your brand should be supporting you and really bringing that ease and enjoyment into your life. And if it's causing you to stop and feel stuck, then it's not doing its job. So Mm. it's, we can be a detriment to compare ourselves to those bigger businesses because it's we're not even in the same realm. And I don't mean that from a negative standpoint. It's just mm-hmm. that they have those resources that we don't have and we can focus our resources elsewhere and we can be more nimble. I mean, what a great yes. gift um, yes. as a small business owner. You can do those changes and people probably won't notice. And that's not a bad thing. Um, right. Like lean into that when you um are want to test out and experiment. And um, Mm. I think that's the beauty of being a small business owner. Yeah, very true. So part of your brand identity that, and we're talking about this today is brand personality. So can you tell us (laughs) what a brand personality is? Yes, I love brand personality. I love this topic. Uh, So I define your brand personality as the characteristics that really make up those thoughts, those feelings, those actions that someone has with your business. And just, I like to compare it to, because I, I think of your brand as a human, right? It's an entity. It has characteristics, like I just mentioned, similar to what humans are. So like a human personality, your brand is no different. It's really a variety of these adjectives and these traits that create an entire experience that someone will have at, at every brand touch point across um, how you're showing up or where you're showing up. That's great. And... I didn't uh, ask you ahead of time to prepare some great examples, (laughs) but so one that comes to mind, I keep using this is Wendy's. Like when I was growing up, I thought, and I'm, I'm probably not the only one, you know, I thought of Wendy's as, you know, sweet and well, except for, Oh, here was a hint. Okay. Before the, where's the beef commercials, I thought of Wendy's as sweet and homey. I mean, Mm -hmm. you read mom in her collar. Yeah. And, you know, she's just a sweet little pigtailed girl. Mm -hmm. And then where's the beef started? And that was cheeky. And now on social media, she's snarky and so so funny. Yes. Yes. So they have really, really defined a very clear brand personality. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And how fun. I mean, even if that's not necessarily your, your thing, right. Right. It's still, when I need a laugh, I tell you, I go to, and I love that you bring the Wendy's example up because that's what I have used as well. Um, I will go to their Twitter and see who they've roasted recently. And like, what can (laughs) I get a good laugh out of? Because it's just so entertaining. And Right. When we think about then the power like that they have really cultivated with this Wendy's brand personality, 
Yes, they're a big corporation, but we can do that as small business owners to really create and define this very distinct personality with our brand that gets people engaged and building that relationship and that connection with us as a brand. I mean, that's the power of having an intentionally created brand personality. So I love that you're using that example. Yeah. Exactly. I have a student in the Women Podcasters Academy whose podcast is called Navigating Baby Loss. And so she can't be snarky or humorous. You know, her brand personality is comforting and compassionate and uplifting. And she really, really succeeds there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if it were any different from that, and, and, you know, she can't be a downer either. She really does need to uplift her audience. And she has really honed that very Mm -hmm. well. Yeah. And I love that you're using that very different example. And just to show and reiterate that there's no right or wrong way to create that personality. It's all about understanding who are you as a brand and what type of feelings do you want to evoke with your right audience? Um, Similar, I have a, a nonprofit client that we're working with right now, and they are all about eradicating gender-based violence against women and girls. Mm-hmm. Very, very heavy topic. Um, but part of that conversation around that brand personality creation was leaning into being an empowering voice in their community um, for their audience of really taking back the power. So again, it doesn't have to be like, they don't have to lean into the snarky similar as um, your client. It was not a good fit, but they're intentional about how they want their voice and their experience to be held and across, right, all of those touch points with their right people. So Mm -hmm. I think we can often see people like Wendy's or maybe other brands that you look up to and think that we have to emulate them because it's working for them. And that's where it really gets to this idea of being strategic and intentional, understanding who you are as a brand and what resonates for you and your right audience. Yes. So then why is it so important to identify your unique brand personality? Well, I like to think about our brand as, again, if we get back to this definition of it's how people think, they feel, they act in relation to your business. So every touch point, so every potential point of contact that someone has with your brand, I believe it either enhances or detracts from your brand experience. So when we go into like thinking about, okay, this is my business and this is how like I want people to perceive me. So whether we're intentional about it or not, each of those touch points will invoke certain feelings or in a positive or negative way. So it's all about this idea. Our brand personality has the power to then enhance that perception that we want people to have of our brand. Or on the flip side, when we're not intentional about it, it can detract from that perception. And it's really getting to this space of the more consistent we can be about our brand experience across those various points of contact, the stronger connection we'll bring and bridge with our right audience, which then leads to trust, which then leads to creating this strong foundational brand that helps us and supports us in getting to whatever our version of success looks like. Mm, Very true. Yeah, you just mentioned trust. It helps build the no like trust factor. And 
also engendering loyalty mm-hmm. in our current customers and clients. Right. It, it really confuses people when we try to emulate other brands' mm-hmm. personalities, if we're not being ourselves. I feel like where it's a facade, you know, if we're not mm-hmm. being true to ourselves or our yeah. brand, you know, when we're the face of our brand, you know, it, it's being like more yep. us. Absolutely. And, and if it's a company, you know, then it's, it's really identifying. Sometimes that can be tougher. It's identifying the company's brand personality right? and, and, and really sticking to that. And if it's a facade, people sense that, you know, mm-hmm. when you're meeting someone mm-hmm. and, and they're all facade and no authenticity, it makes you bristle, you know, you like get this <laughs> sense that, Oh, you know, they, they're just, there's something off. You know? Yes, exactly. And I love that you bring up this idea of, you know, emulating and having that facade, because again, when we think about, there are so many opportunities for someone to come in contact with your brand. And it can be very exhausting when you're trying to emulate someone else and you're not dealing with or sticking with or um, showing up in a way that is authentic to what you truly want your brand to be about. And at some point that facade will break down and Mm. then it leads to more often than not mistrust. So a breaking of that trust that your potential client or community member or audience member has, or just an entirely walking away or confusion. So thinking about I've had experiences with this with brands where I'll go to their website or I'll call them and then I'll do a different touch point and I'm having a totally different experience. So for me as the consumer or the community member, I think, okay, am I going to get this type of person or this type of experience? Or am I going to get the other type of experience? I don't know which one. And that's really when we think about the importance of personality is it helps to create that consistency. So you're building the expectation with that audience member so Mm. that they know and can then when you meet that expectation again and again, right, that trust strengthens and vice versa, you know, the same has happened, the same happens or the opposite happens. If we break down that trust or we have inconsistencies with that communication or experience. Right. And you just mentioned two touch points, website and like customer service. Mm-hmm. There's also, you know, we mentioned earlier blog posts, podcast episodes, videos, social media uh, ads, you know, Google ads, social media ads, print, you know, wherever you're doing business Oh, in person, if you're brick and mortar, uh, restaurant, you know, it would be mm-hmm. your servers. Um, if it's retail, you know, the, uh, retail salespeople, all of those are touch points where you, where your brand personality should be coming through. Right. And I, I want to, because even as you're, uh, saying the list, right? I can hear because I can feel it in myself of like, oh my gosh, that's so many. And that's so overwhelming. <laughs> and what I I want to maybe encourage is that this isn't about being perfect, right? It's not about, okay, it has to be A plus material across the board at every single touch point or else it's a quote unquote failure. It's more what I find more often than not, especially with businesses that have teams where they have mm. people communicating on behalf of their brand even just getting it out of your head, because as business owners, we think, oh, I know what the brand is all about. It's up here. But 
when we can take what's out of our head and just put it even something, one or two sentences that explains this is the brand personality onto paper, it gives you a starting point to then communicate to your team of this is where the expectation is. And then again, getting back to this idea, as they start communicating on behalf of your brand, you can then figure out where do we need to make changes and tweaks to make sure that we're having that consistent communication. But most of the time, we just don't write it down. There mm-hmm. isn't anything like I, we call it a brand playbook for our yeah. clients of like, this is your reference guide so that everyone's on the same page about our brand personality and how it's being communicated to our audience. Awesome. Yeah. I call it a brand Bible, but yes, yes. <laughs> whatever you call it. <laughs> and even if it's just written on an Apple note, write it down. You know, if you're yeah. a solo entrepreneur, exactly. write it down for yourself. Yes. Because more often than not too, even if we're just operating and I don't say just, but if we are a solopreneur, the action, right? We know this from all of the studies and I guess from what I've read and know about journaling, right? There's so much power in just writing down our thoughts. And the same is true for our brand, because when we can get it out of our head and onto paper, we then are setting the expectation for ourselves of, oh, okay, this is what I'm looking for. And this is how I want that brand experience to be. And now I can have something to reference when I'm maybe feeling stuck, or I'm realizing that something isn't working. I go back to that note and can say, well, maybe I should tweak this. And it just gives you a really nice, solid foundation for taking action and moving forward and getting more clear on your brand. Very true. That's great. All right, let's get into the meat of brand personality. You work with brand archetypes and seasons. Yeah, I want to hear about this, please. <laughs> so these are two personality frameworks that we use with working with our clients to help them with their internal brand communication and then their external brand communication. So brand archetypes are like the universal, they're inborn models of peoples and behaviors, their drivers. It originates from personality, human archetypes in the psychology world. But it's this idea that as a brand based off of what drives you, you then align with an archetype. And that again, helps you with your communication. Brand season is similar, again, also originates from psychology and seasonal color theory and um, color psychology. And it's this idea that your brand will align with a particular season. So, you know, spring, summer, fall, winter, and based off of what season you align with, that will then help guide you from an external perspective. So colors, Mm -hmm. your fonts, photography style, graphics, uh, fonts, I already said that typography, things like that from an external Mm -hmm. perspective. All of this being when we can have those clear boundaries, more like erasable boundary lines, it helps us to create that consistency and really attach how we're communicating both from a written and a verbal and then a visual way to and align with the certain feelings that we want to evoke with our clients. So in a customer's community. So for example, let's say you are um, wanting people to feel excitable and you want them to feel creative and maybe loud and friendly. The colors that you can use to help evoke those emotions will be very different than if you want people to feel calm and restored and relaxed. So it's getting to this idea that we can utilize visuals to help embody and evoke certain emotions and feelings when people interact with our brand. 
Very true. I love it. I I know my archetypes and my season, and uh, they are so helpful. And they're the same for my personal life as they are for my business, mm -hmm. which makes total sense since I am the face of my business. Yep. And they they really permeate everything I do, like my I mission in life, my mission of my business. And my season is also the same as my personal style color style mm -hmm. thing like I had mm -hmm. my colors done years ago yeah I'm a winter and and it's totally the same yeah for my business as well I love that and my archetypes my main one is explorer even though okay. I'm not an outdoorsy type at all but like mm -hmm. my big thing is a uh, blaze your own trail choose your mm -hmm. own adventure mm -hmm. uh primary one of my primary values is freedom that's mm -hmm. why I'm in business for myself yep. and that's you know my mission and uh, helping other people well like with my kids I want to help them blaze their own trails it's what I do I with my it. clients helping them blaze their own trail through mm -hmm. their own business um and my secondary archetype is uh creative or creator awesome awesome and I love what you're saying too which is the whole point right of why do we use these frameworks in the beginning or in the first place and it's this idea of using them as that reference guide for helping you make decisions um and especially when it comes to communicating your brand personality. So when we think about seasons and archetypes, they're just those reference guides for, hey, you know, what should I, if I'm deciding between A and B, let me reference that archetype yeah. and or that season to see which one may align more so that I'm creating that consistency and showing up in a cohesive manner. So I love that you're finding them helpful and useful for you in, in your business. That's wonderful. Yeah. And they help you pick the, the best for you and best for your client, ideal client language as well. Absolutely. So, you know, I was already for decades, you like as a kid re reading the choose your own adventure books, favorite books, <laughs> but like blaze your own trail, you know, something yeah. that I've also said since I was pregnant with my first daughter. I mean, probably before that, but like, that was my main goal mm. with my kids. Like, it's not for them to be happy. It's for them to blaze their own trail. Cause you know, yeah. like happiness is fleeting, but anyway. Um, so yeah, if you're stuck on language, you can refer to your archetypes and be like, yes. okay, how can I phrase this idea that matches my brand personality and that will resonate with my ideal client. Mm -hmm. Look at your archetypes. Mm -hmm. And then how can I get this across on my website, you know, in my visuals, then look at your seasonal colors. Am yes. I getting that right? 100%. And you've summarized it so well. I, I my heart's happy. Um, <laughs> but yes, exactly. I mean, that's the whole point is to figure out when we, and this is what I love using them for is when you're stuck. I do the same in my own business. I go back to, okay, what am I all about as a brand? What do I want to communicate? How do I want people to feel? And referencing archetypes, referencing seasons and really figuring out and just using it as more of a nudge, right? This is just nudging yeah. you in the right direction to give you some ideas and get back into this space of creating and showing up for your audience in a way that's mm. serving them and helpful for them. So yeah. yes, 100%. How do you suggest people find their archetypes and their season? Yes. 
Well, to get back to what we've already said, and just to reiterate, take action. And fig- I, I believe, and I, mean, I know we've talked about this already, but really that clarity is going to come from showing up and mm-hmm. paying attention. I think t- taking it, taking your brand from an experimental lens and looking at it from an exper- experimental lens is so helpful. But from a more tactical standpoint of like, okay, I need some actionable steps because I'm right there with you. Um, I like to start with just something as simple as write out the 10 adjectives that you want people to feel when they experience your brand. So at every, any given touch point, any given contact point, you know, how do you want them to feel? And I'm big on feelings. If you haven't figured yes. it out already, that's what branding is all about. Yes, exactly. It's how you want people, <laughs> people make buying decisions more based on feeling yes. than on facts, unless it's a financial service, you right. know, it's like the one exception, but yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You know, people, when I even think about the brands that I have the most connection with, I'll use this because I just got my Grow Collaborative order um, the other day, and they write, you know, Kelly, you're killing it. You're right. Like they write sweet messages on their box. It makes my day. So mm-hmm. thinking about that, of uh, yes, I will pay a little bit more, and I'll pay the annual membership fee because Growth Collaborative makes me feel good, and I feel mm-hmm. like I have a strong relationship with their brand. So again, right, this is where we get to this space of what's the point of branding? It's that. It's to build a connection with your right audience so that they, not necessarily that they'll pay you more, but that they will go above and beyond to engage with you and they appreciate you. So getting back to, okay, how do you want people to feel when they experience your brand? And then creating that personality based off of those feelings. When we think about creating that personality, that's where the archetypes and the seasons come in. It helps you to create said personality to really enhance those feelings that you're after. Mm. That's awesome. So, um, so when you have your personality and, and that's a matter of finding your adjectives, um, do you then suggest that people like write out, mm-hmm. I mean, what do they do once they have their their adjectives? Yeah. So once you, you've got your 10, right. And then look to see, um, you know, we have, and we can, I don't include this in the show notes. I have a PDF of like, these are the adjectives aligned with the seasons and the archetypes. Um, I'm happy to send over and it's really doing a mix and match, right? So, okay. These are the adjectives that I have. And these ones most align with the spring season, which then aligns with these three archetypes. So going at it from that perspective to give you a foundation. And then from there, again, writing it down. So your, your personality, your brand personality manual, uh, similar like your brand Bible, right? So it'll be uh, a facet of your brand Bible can be as intricate or as simple as you want. Again, it really gets back to what's going to be the most supportive for you and that you'll actually use. So Mm. from there, I like to just detail like, okay, we're aligned with the spring brand. Spring means this, this, and this. We're aligned with this archetype. It means this, this, and this. And then these are the words that we're going to be using on a frequent basis. These are the phrases that we use on a frequent basis. This is the tone of voice that we're communicating with. And then this is our communication style. And this is how we want people to feel when they experience our brand. I think those six items can be really helpful in getting a strong foundation set for creating that personality for consistent, cohesive communication. Mm, That's great. 
And the one thing that you mentioned throughout there was writing it down. <laughs> yeah. Even for it's it's essential when you have employees, assistants, mm -hmm. a team, whatever. And it and honestly, it is still essential for yourself. Yes. You will forget, even as a solo entrepreneur, you will forget. And you can come back to that every time you write a blog post, uh, pod, uh, creating a podcast episode, doing a video, especially then creating an ad, even mm -hmm. a social media post. Yes. So useful for everything. Yes. And I think oftentimes, I know I have this fear um, in my, my, on myself or is this idea of if I write it down, then it's permanent and I have <laughs> to abide by it, right? My type A, very structured brain loves to tell me that story. But what I like to just switch it up and have this idea that your this personality manual is a working document. So mm -hmm. it can be updated. And that's the whole point, right? If we're, we're sitting here talking about brand action leads to brand clarity, then once you become more clear, go back to that manual and update it and make those changes so that they're in there. Again, as you start to grow, as you bring on teams, they're always referencing the most up-to-date information on communicating on behalf of your brand. And just to reiterate, it's not a stagnant document. This is something that will grow and change and evolve with your brand yes. because that's the intent of it is to support you at whatever stage of business um, that, that you're in. Very true. That's awesome. Thank you so much. Thank so, you. so helpful. So how can listeners find you or, and get in touch to work with you? Yes, um, we are... Our website is wittencompany.com and that's the best place to um, learn about our work and our process and who's a great fit for us. I also have a weekly newsletter that I send out called The Branded Chat every Friday. So if you'd like to just learn more and be kind of in our, our community, that's a really great place as well. Um, and then of course, if you have any questions, I love chatting about branding. So the best place that I am at is on LinkedIn um, at Kelly Whitman. So you can find me over there. I'd love to connect. Awesome. I will share those links in the show notes and on this episode's page on my website. Thank you so much for being here today, Kelly. This was a great conversation and so helpful. Thank you so much for having with me or having with me. Thank you so much for <laughs> having me. Um, it was great to connect with you and yes, have this conversation. It was wonderful. Awesome. And y'all listeners, I hope you will put into action everything that Kelly said here today. It will really, everything will really help your branding and your marketing. So please do. <laughs> and um, I would love it if you would leave a positive review and subscribe. You can leave comments on this episode's page on my website, link in the show notes. And I'll be back in just a few days. So I'll see you next time on the Marketing Chat Podcast.